Today we are starting a new sermon series here at SMCC that is titled Back to Our Future. And we're going to be looking at the story of the people of Israel as told through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, which might not sound super thrilling to you if you have never read those two books. And if you have read those two books, maybe you're even less enthusiastic. But I want us to be tuning our ears right from the get-go to hear God's spirit moving within these stories because Ezra and Nehemiah talk to us about how God's people were forced to live in a land far away for decades, generations, in a way they never wanted to live. And then they are given the opportunity to go back, to experience home again, to create what God has been stirring in their hearts to do. So it sometimes can read a little dry, but I think that there are some parallels between what it meant for the people of Israel to go back to a place that looked familiar and yet felt completely different. I think there's some parallels between that experience for the Israelites and us as the people of God here in Southern California, still in the midst of this pandemic, in a world that continues to change beyond our control. So I invite you, keeping that in mind, to listen with me for the voice of God has spoken through this scripture in Ezra. This is Ezra 1, verses 1 through 6. And I just want you to remember that God's people have been in exile now for decades. They've been living in Babylon, and Cyrus, the king of Persia, is that king who is overseeing them and tells them that they can go home. All right, let's listen for the word of the Lord. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of King Cyrus of Persia so that he sent a herald throughout all his kingdom and also in a written edict declared, Thus says King Cyrus of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of those among you who are of his people, may their God be with them, are now permitted to go up to Jerusalem and Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let all survivors in whatever place they reside be assisted by the people of their place with silver and gold, with goods and with animals, besides freewill offerings for the house of the God in Jerusalem. The heads of the families of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred, got ready to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors aided them with silver vessels, with gold, with goods, with animals, and with valuable gifts, besides all that was freely offered. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me as we pray. Holy 
Holy God, our human words are finite and temporary, a mist that evaporates from the moment that we speak. But your word is eternal, one with the power to shape all of creation. And so, words with the power to shape our hearts. God, let your truth be known. Let your light be experienced. And within us, stir up the story of your people from the beginning of time through today that will continue until your kingdom returns in all fullness. So we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So the story of Ezra and Nehemiah is a story about a group of people who were forced to live in a way they didn't want to live, who were one day finding that they were living that way longer than they ever imagined they could, who were then all of a sudden and out of the blue given the opportunity to go back to the way things used to be. But when this opportunity came, a lot of time had passed. Many things had changed and they had faced some trauma along the way. So maybe it wasn't surprising that some people didn't want to volunteer to return home. Change, even good change, was just a little bit more than they could handle. Others were eager to get back to their homeland and back to this past that they had come to idealize, only to find that when they returned, they were returning to a world that was now unidealistic and completely unrecognizable. This story about Ezra and Nehemiah is the story about God's people who had come to recover some important things from the past in order to live fully into an unknown future that had been promised to them by God from the very beginning. It's a story that, to me, sounds familiar to our collective life here at San Marino Community Church. Along with the rest of the globe, we have been living in this pandemic reality that we did not choose for ourselves. We were worshiping at a distance from one another for over a year. And when we did return to gather in person, it was to say goodbye to Jeff O'Grady, and then to Jan Cook, and then to Becca Bateman. As we looked around the pews in those first days that we came back, we saw some empty seats where our friends used to be, some who had moved out of the area, some who had joined the kingdom eternal. And since then, we have been meeting many new faces too, people who bring different perspectives and experiences intended for this place and this time. For us here at SMCC, it really feels like 10 years have passed these last two years. And many things have really changed. We have faced our share of trauma too. And so it wouldn't be surprising if some of us didn't feel enthusiastic for this next leg of the journey, even if it is the kind of journey that brings us home. Still others of us are eager 
to get to an idealized past. But we'll find, if we haven't found yet, that that past looks a whole lot different after all that we have lived through in order to get to today. Thinking of the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, of the people who were forced to live in exile for 70 years before being miraculously sent back, and then thinking about us here at SMCC, who have been weathering a different kind of exile, naturally makes me think of Michael J. Fox. In 1985, a movie was released called Back to the Future. It starred Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly. And Marty's life was not turning out the way that he was, was hoping it would. His mother was a depressed alcoholic. His father was unhappy, downtrodden at work, disconnected. And his two siblings were, for all accounts, professional and social failures. His own band had just been rejected from an audition that he felt enthusiastic about. And so despite all of his ambitions, he was worried that he was going to become like the rest of his family. He was going to become depressed and downtrodden and a failure. Then through these unbelievable circumstances, Marty McFly finds himself traveling to the past into 1955 which is the year that both of his parents met one another when they were in high school, his age. So as he scrambles to find his way back to 1985, we watch him. He creates this mess. He puts his parents' relationship at risk, which then puts his own existence at risk. And it's plain from the very start of the movie, Marty McFly does not belong in the past. But while he's there, he gains some new perspective that changes the way that he sees his own future. He gains compassion for his parents' understanding for mistakes that were made. He sees firsthand how it was the small decisions they made and the narratives that they told themselves that determined their future more than any of those big things that they tended to worry about. Along the way, Marty recognizes that idealizing the past, either when it's done by his parents who lived through it, or when it's done by him, who had unquestioningly repeated those stories throughout the years, idealizing the past is an exercise of imagination that does everyone a disservice. Marty McFly's journey through the past enables him then to return into this fuller and more life-giving future. And that makes me think of Ezra and Nehemiah, naturally, and of how all of the Israelites returning to Jerusalem from Babylonian captivity had the opportunity to create a fuller future with all that they knew from the past. You see, 70 years before the Israelites returned to Jerusalem, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon occupied the Israelites' land, which is when he destroyed that first temple and when he blinded King Zedekiah of Judah, slaughtered all of his sons, and then deported that king and all of the upper and middle class Israelites to live in Babylon. 
which left Jerusalem in rubble with only the most poor and destitute people living there. So for about 70 years, God's people were socially distanced from one another, half of them living in a land that was not their home, and the remaining of them so poor and oppressed by the demands of Babylon that they could do nothing more than just survive in that city that was left crumbling for decades. And then, suddenly, after years of nothing significant changing their situation, God moves in the heart of Cyrus. And Cyrus allows those who were taken from Jerusalem all those years ago to return, saying, the God of heaven has charged me to build God a house at Jerusalem in Judah. So any among you who are his people, may God be with you, are now permitted to go to Jerusalem and Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord. I just want you to imagine how that must have felt for those Israelites. What amazing news! And they were really going to need God's help because think about what they were returning to. That magnificent temple and that bustling city life that surrounded it had been obliterated seven decades before and the people who remained didn't have the ability or the grit to make those repairs, to clean up, to do anything but just live in the dust. The exiles from Babylon were not returning to a magnificent city, they were returning to a slum. And they were returning to a slum with the charge of transforming it into a magnificent city again. That's a big ask. They were going to need resources and tools, yeah, but more importantly, they were going to need heart and perspective and humility and courage because their charge was not just to rebuild a building. Their charge was to rebuild a people. Friends, uh, there is nowhere in San Marino that is a slum. In this town, every exterior is perfect and nearly every wall stands strong. We at SMCC, we are not charged to rebuild a building, but we are charged to rebuild a people. As this season of pandemic exile chugs and eventually sputters to a halt, because it will, we are asked to look around and to see who is here and invested and ready to build, as well as to see those who are just surviving, having been living in that dust. We are then called to consider where we might be divided and at a distance from one another. Maybe we're in the same geographical space, but maybe our hearts are pretty far from one another. Maybe we still feel like we are lonely in a crowded room. And then we are going to need God's help. Because like Marty McFly, we don't belong in the past. But we are going to need the understanding and perspective 
of what has been if we want to build a people who can journey confidently into the future. Over the next several weeks, we are going to be following along in the story of Ezra and Nehemiah. We're going to be learning about that journey and what that journey held for the hearts of those people who were stirred to rebuild, not just a building, but a community. We're going to be thinking about the emotions that they encountered, about the challenges that they faced, about the successes they had and how they celebrated those successes. We're going to be talking about their hopes and about what it means to be a community for a world that we think feels familiar but really looks very different. And so I'm going to ask as we start this journey this week and carry on for the next few, how is God stirring your heart to build a people? The doors are opening, my friends. We are given the opportunity to return home. I really encourage us to take those first steps through together.